<clears throat> morning, church. How's everybody doing? Good, good. Just a reminder, I know you know, just a reminder, next week is Easter Sunday, so we always expect the crowd to be a little bigger if you're accustomed to parking in all the good spots. Could I encourage you to maybe park more towards the back, make some room for our guests, visitors, those who, uh, extended family that may be coming in. So that is next Sunday. Also a reminder, next Sunday we will not have our classes, we'll have worship only next Sunday, and uh, that is Easter Sunday. You know, the human brain is an interesting thing. It can remember what might appear to be the most minor things, and it can forget what appears to be the most major things. For example, the, the human brain can remember certain quotes that seem to stick in our heads, that seem to be etched on our brains. So let's put that to the test. I don't know how many of these quotes are famous quotes, but let me see if I can um, pick your brain a little bit. Sometimes it's a quote from a movie. So you remember in A Few Good Men, the character played by Jack Nicholson, he, he tells Tom Cruise, you can't handle the truth. See, you got that one. Um, the character played by Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry, he would always say, go ahead. <laughs> How does 007 introduce himself in every movie? We may not remember the rest of the Gettysburg Address by Abraham Lincoln, but how does it start? See, you forgot already. What was it John F. Kennedy said? Ask not. The great words by Martin Luther King. What was that famous battle cry somewhere down near San Antonio? What are we supposed to remember? <laughs> the true Texans come out. How about some quotes, some words from astronauts? What were those words from Apollo 13, Houston? That's what the movie said. Originally, Swigert said, okay, Houston, we have a problem here. And then Lovell said, ah, Houston, we've had a problem, but those don't do well in movies. So what about Apollo 13, Houston, Tranquility Base here? The eagle has landed. And, of course, the words by Neil Armstrong with more than half a billion people watching as he plants the first human foot on the moon, he says... I'll give you credit for all of that. <laughs> famous words, famous speeches, famous quotes. We're in a series called Last Words, and we're looking at the final words of Jesus on the cross. I don't know how famous those words are. Many people don't know what he said that day, which is why we've been looking at these statements. Seven statements, 55 words that were made on Good Friday. This coming Friday is Good Friday. Next Sunday is Easter. So I wanted us to build up and be looking at those seven statements. So here's a quick review. See how many of these come to your head. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Second one we looked at, I tell you the truth, 
today you will be with me in paradise. The third one we looked at, woman, behold your son, and to the disciple, behold your mother. The fourth one we looked at, Jesus said, I thirst. The fifth one we looked at, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then the sixth statement that I want us to look at today. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. It is finished. Three words in the English language, one word in the original Greek language, to telestai, finished. It's finished. It's not a shout of defeat. This is a shout of victory. Other translations, it's finished. It's completed. It's accomplished. It's done. It's ended. Everything is done. It is finished. Again, one word. Matthew and Mark, in recording this incident, don't even give us the word. They just say, and when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, He gave up His Spirit. Mark, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed His last. Again, it's just one word. Jesus uses one word, and from that one word we get volumes. No long sermon is needed. Finished. One word that can be understood by all ages. One word that we really don't need to define. Finished. One word that explains why Jesus came. I want you to see how this word and the root form of this word is used in other passages so that we can kind of understand this word. Jesus said, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to finish His work. Jesus looked toward heaven when He prayed in John 17... Father, I've brought you glory on earth and finished the work that you gave me to do. Paul writes, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. We keep reading. Paul writes in Acts 20, I consider my life worth nothing nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. James writes, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be finished, mature, complete, not lacking anything. Finished. It's just one word. To bring to an end. To complete an activity. To accomplish a task. Brought to completion, fully accomplished, finished. A statement from Jesus, a statement from heaven, one word. It is finished, finished, preaches volumes. I think we understand what finished means. Think about all the things in your life that you haven't finished. It could be a long list. Maybe it's a partly mowed lawn. Maybe it's a garage that's not quite cleaned out. A half-read book a half-read Bible, an abandoned diet, a remodeled project that needs to be finished, a room that still needs paint, a painting that needs just a few more strokes, leaves in the gutter, a closet waiting to be organized, 
a half-written song, a partially learned skill, a relationship that needs some work, a world that still needs Jesus, a faith that has turned cold. No matter how you define it, everything on this list says the same thing. Not done. Not finished. Work left to do. On the flip side, we know the joy and the sense of accomplishment and, 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 and the satisfaction when we finish a project, when you finish mowing that yard, when you finish doing your taxes, when you finish reading that book. It may have taken weeks, it may have taken months, it may have taken years. Maybe you finished that degree, maybe you finished building that new house, maybe you, you finished the payment on a vehicle or on a house when we're able to say, done, completed, finished. And Jesus cries out on the cross, finished. One word. So we have to ask the question, what was finished? What did he complete? What did he accomplish at the cross? What was done? Let me give you three things. One, Jesus finished prophecy. Here's what we read in Luke 18. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, we're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be, that's our word, fulfilled, finished, finished, completed, brought to completion. That meant that every prophecy about Jesus was fulfilled in his life, finished, brought to an end. Let me, let me, let me give you this in context. Let's go back to the fifth statement. Look at how this word's used. Later, knowing that all was now finished... And so that Scripture would be finished, that's the word used there, same word. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He was saying that he kept every prophecy ever written about him. What was finished? Number two, Jesus finished the requirements of the law. Here's what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them. Here's our word. But to fulfill. I've come to finish. Different Greek word. Same meaning. To complete. To carry out to the full. To accomplish. Jesus not only finished all prophecy. He finished the requirements of the law. Here's what Paul writes in Romans 8. Therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, God did by sending His own Son to be a sin offering in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. We don't meet the righteous requirements of the law. Jesus met the righteous requirements of the law because He lived a sinless life. You know what Jesus said to His accusers in John 8? Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? They couldn't, because Jesus never sinned. Jesus finished the requirements of the law because he was without sin. Jesus finished the requirements of the law because he was a perfect sacrifice. Number three, Jesus finished the plan of redemption. Finished. Paid the price. It's interesting, in the original Greek, this word had 12 uses in the first century. And the most common use was paid in full. You go to the bank and you have a note and they stamp it, paid in full. 
that's finished. Jesus paid in full. Jesus finished. With a loud shout, he yelled, paid in full, finished. Because at the cross, he paid our price for redemption. Here's what Paul writes in Colossians. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled, finished the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away, nailing it to the cross. And so we sing the song. He paid a debt. He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. He paid that debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul and set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus finished, paid in full, paid the debt that I could never pay. Listen, folks, all of us were deserving, are deserving of death because the wages of sin is death and the penalty must be paid. And Jesus redeemed us at the cross. Peter writes, you know it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Which is interesting. Because I'm not sure we live that way. We live as though Jesus paid a lot. But we might need to help him out. We might need to pay a little. We might need to add to it. We might need to make some extra payments. We might need to work for our salvation. We might need to earn it. So to those of you who are still living by works, to those of you who still have a checklist, to those of you who are still trying to earn your way, for those of you who are still trying to work for your salvation, for those of you who go to bed at night and pray, Lord, I hope I've done enough to earn my salvation. I hope I've done enough to earn your acceptance. I hope I've done enough because I'm not sure Jesus did enough. So I've been working trying to do enough. To those of you who might be living that way, I want to say this, God is completely satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus. Jesus finished the work of salvation. Jesus finished the work of redemption. So stop trying to earn your way. Stop trying to earn God's acceptance. Listen, when Jesus said finished, there's nothing we do that adds to the cross. Not a drop of our blood added to the blood of Jesus makes any difference. When Jesus said finished, there's nothing we can do to improve on that. There's nothing we can do to add to that. The work of salvation is finished. Paul writes in Colossians 1, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You, don't want, you want to know when that redemption happened? Finished at the cross. Here's what we read in Hebrews. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders in the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. There's our word. The finisher. The finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him, who for the joy set before him, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you'll finish. So that you will not give up. Listen, folks, I, I, don't, I don't know where you are in your faith today. I don't know where you are on your faith journey today. Maybe you're thinking about quitting. Maybe you're discouraged as a parent. Maybe the job is getting too tough. Maybe the world's getting too cold. Maybe you don't know if you can resist that temptation. Maybe you're full of disappointment. Maybe the road looks too difficult. Maybe the sickness is just too overwhelming. If something on that list describes you, I want you to remember this. Jesus finished so that we would finish. Jesus finished so that we would not grow weary, so that we would not lose heart. Again, Paul writes, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord will, will award to me on that day. Finished. Finished. Listen, church. Don't quit. Don't quit. Be faithful even to the point of death and I'll give you the crown of life. Jesus finished so that we can finish the race. If you need to respond to the invitation in any way, please do so as we stand and sing.